Tonight on Crisis, we meet a writer who's a stickler for realism, a true craftsman who believes with all his heart that before you can write about an experience, you have to live it. His theory has worked well for him. He's successful and moderately famous among readers of detective fiction. But there has been one experience that crops up frequently in his novels that he's never been able to live in real life. And that's troubled him, for our man is, as I say, devoted to authenticity. Stay with us now as we meet Jerome K. Blackman in a tale we call First Hand Experience, in which Blackman meets someone he's written about and yet never known personally until he meets his moment of crisis. To be a successful writer requires self-discipline. That's why Jerome K. Blackman lives a regimen not very different from most working men. He rises at seven, he showers, eats a moderate breakfast while glancing at the paper, finishes dressing, and hurries off to his work. Only in Blackman's case, his work is upstairs in his den. Here has been born some of the most lurid and compelling detective fiction ever to hit the paperback racks. By nine o'clock in the morning, Blackman is hard at it, midway through his new novel. Eunice, will you get that? Perfect timing, never fails. Yeah? Jerome? Just a Blackman residence? Who do you want? Jerry? Is that you? This is Bill Wheatley. Hey, Doc, I didn't recognize your voice. Well, I didn't recognize yours. But what are you doing, answering your own phone now? No, oh, I guess Eunice must have gone out. What's in your mind? Well, I, I'm taking the week off, and I got those medical books you wanted to borrow. Oh, yeah, great. Well, I'll bring them up. Or will I be interrupting? You kidding? Never. Tell you what, come on up about 1 o'clock and have lunch with us. Come on. Uh, do I get a preview of the new book? You'll get a hamburger and a cup of soup. See you at 1. <laughs> More soup, Doctor? Well, not for me. Uh, delicious, Eunice, but uh, I don't want to get fat like Jerry. Ha! If I could play golf three times a week like some doctors I know. Four times a week, Jerry, and handball when it rains. <laughs> what a life. Hey, listen, mind my asking what you're going to have happen to your hero in this new book? I never give away the plot. Well, even to your medical consultant? Nope. Well, then let me guess. You ordered books on uh, the brain, pathology of the circulatory system... And the results of revivification experiments. Re-what? Revivification? Bringing people back to life. Aha. Uh-huh. I think I've got it. You are planning to kill off the hero. You're right. Oh, sure. That's right. And then, miraculously, through the wizardry of modern medicine, he returns to life. Well, maybe something like that. I haven't gotten that far yet. Now, listen, some of those uh, those books are a little heavy. I mean, technical. Oh, Jerry's got a medical dictionary. Oh, that's right. I should have remembered well, I guess you won't need any help from me, then. I don't know. I could. Want to take a walk? Sure. Good lunch, hon. We're going to take a bit of a walk. That was delicious, Eunice. Thank you. I, uh, I might need some expert medical advice on something, Bill. Sure. Anything I can tell you. You, you know, I research my stuff pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. I don't think any other fiction writer... 
spends three months in a hobo jungle so he can write about hobos with authenticity. Yeah, well, that was kind of fun, really. Yeah, and then about the time you got yourself picked up for vagrancy in Jacksonville, you spent 24 hours in the tank. Well, that wasn't so much fun. But what I need to do now is find out something no other writer has ever found out. Now, what's that? What it's like to be dead. What? I've got to know. Were you serious? Deadly serious. <laughs> Very good. I mean it. You see, my narrative in the book is being told by a private detective. A very sympathetic guy. He gets shot, he dies. He's clinically dead. Ah, ah. Now I see what you want. You want to bring him back to consciousness. To life. All of his vital signs cease. Everything. Well, what you want, then, is to talk to somebody whose heart stopped, like, like during surgery. Yeah, I think I can find someone. Oh, good, Bill. I've talked with ten of them already. What do you mean? You know this uh, weekly paper you get in the supermarkets? I I know the ones you mean. I never read them. Well, I do. Hardly a week goes by that they don't have some article written by someone who claims to have died and and left his body. Uh, Well, her body. It's usually a woman who writes these. And they describe seeing their own body lying on the operating table. And then they tell how they're suddenly seeing long-dead relatives and friends. Uh, that kind of stuff. Well, people will say anything for money. Oh, no. These people believe it a hundred percent. You see, I've been calling them up and talking to them. You have? Sure. They all claim they felt no pain. They didn't want to return to their bodies and all that. But each story is also a little different. Uh, one gal sees her dead mother. Someone else says she sees St. Peter. Some say they hear heavenly music. Yeah, but you don't find any of them saying they didn't see or feel or hear anything, do you? Nope. No, and you won't either. Because that doesn't make such a sensational story. Well, maybe you're right. But one way or the other, I've got to find out. And I want you to help me. Well, help you do what? To die. <laughs> No, no, no. Come on, Jerry. Now, you checked me over two months ago. I'm in perfect shape, right? Very good. Not perfect. Okay, but I'm strong enough to take the electric shock you use in coronary cases, and that's what I want you to do. The defibrillator? I want you to stop my heart. You're either kidding or you're you're a little sick. Listen to me. You stop my heart, see? You give me two minutes, and you start it up again. Why, you don't seriously think I'd... I'd, 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 Two minutes. If a dead person really does see or hear or feel anything, I'll experience it. Are you serious, Jerry? Yes. Well, you either have more guts or less sense than I thought you did. Well, it's out of the question. You won't do it? Well, certainly not. Because of your oath? Oath? No doctor on earth would deliberately stop the heart of a healthy patient. Especially for some experiment. Ah, you said I'm healthy. You can get the heart going again with the same electric shock. Oh, Jerry, let's let's stop this nonsense. Now, you, you know I won't be part of anything like this. Now, for, for God's sake, you, don't, you can't seriously think you'd ever find a doctor who would. Maybe not. But uh, there are other ways. Like what? Like someone who isn't a doctor. Jerry, don't play around with your own life. Five years ago, I wouldn't. But now you've got ways, techniques for bringing people back. Why, yes, as a last-ditch emergency measure. We also can in- inject drugs directly into the heart with a long needle. But, but, but these aren't surefire things, Jerry, and they're... Well, they're certainly not meant to be used indiscriminately. Well, there's absolutely no guarantee that once a heart stops beating, you can ever get it to beat again. Don't you know that? Oh, yeah, but the odds are pretty good. The odds? You'd stake your life on the odds? 
Listen, if you keep talking about this, I'm going I'm to recommend a sanity hearing. I'm not kidding. Think of it, Bill. For the first time in the history of the written language, an author describes precisely what it's like to be dead. And who would believe you? Huh? Who would believe you'd really been through all that? The whole world. Because with the publication of my novel would come the biggest promotion campaign in the history of fiction. Why, this would make Ian Fleming and Mickey Spillane look like nothing. Now, you've got to do it for me, Bill. You've got to. Or so help me. I know where I can get it done by people who don't care about ethics. You're, you're a sick man, Jerry. I'm telling How you... About that... How about it? No risk you whatsoever. I set it up with Eunice, a couple of other people. I'll say I have a chest pain, see? They'll rush me to the hospital, and there you'll be. We go through it into the private room in just two minutes, Bill. All right, now, Jerry. You're all worked up over Two this... minutes, two minutes, and I've got my authentic experience. You'd put your own wife through this? Of course, I'll wait till you're off your vacation, say a week from Sunday, Bill. True to his word, a week from Sunday, Jerome K. Blackman tells his wife and their friends at a card party that he's not feeling well, and to call their friend Dr. Bill Wheatley to meet them at the hospital. Eunice drives while Jerome puts on a convincing act beside her, and in record time, Jerome is on a wheeled stretcher moving into the coronary emergency room. All right, leave him here. Nurse, oxygen. I'll check his pulse and pressure. I'll check his pulse and pressure. Bring me oxygen. Yes, sir. All right. Nurse, uh, go out and tell Mrs. Blackman that he'll pull through okay. Uh, Do it. Yes, doctor. Oh, look, Ellen, I'm sorry. I. Oh, that's great. You made me snap at one of the best nurses in this hospital. I never thought you'd go through with it. You know where you ought to be in the mental ward. Come on, Bill, get on with it. Now, while there's no one else in the room. Do you know what you're asking me to do? Just do it, will you, Bill? Because if you don't, I lined up a guy who will. Of course, he doesn't have your fancy equipment. This is a two-man job. No, it isn't, not to stop the heart. Give me two minutes, then holler for help and bring me back. Oh, and here, uh, this is a little tape recorder. Put it here beside my head, under the pillow. Uh, there. Okay, roll over the defibrillator. I must be out of my mind to listen to you. Come on! All right. Let's see. Oh, oh Lord, what am I doing? You're doing exactly as a patient and friend is asking you to do. Come on. All right. One electrode here. The other one here. Oh, may God forgive me. Hit I... the switch. Oh! Jerry? Jerry? Can you hear me? He's out. Heart rate, zero. Pressure, dropping to nothing. Coming up now. He's breathing. Pressure coming up. Rhythm's good. Pressure's steady. She brought him back, doctor. It must give you quite a feeling. I know it does me. Every time it works, I I feel like... Yes, 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 Ellen, uh, go out and tell Mrs. Blackman he's uh, past the worst now. Right. I'll be right back. Jerry, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What do you do, chicken out? What are you talking about? I said two minutes. You gave me about ten seconds. I gave you two minutes by the clock. You couldn't have. Well, I did. Check your tape recorder there. It was going the whole time. But I heard you say he's out, and then in about two or three seconds I heard you say... 
He's breathing. Well, you got your answer. No harps, no long-lost relatives. You found out that death is nothing. Can't be. A big blank zero. Your mind turns off when the blood supply stops. And then it turns on when it comes back. No, no, no. We did something wrong. Yeah, you're so right. We did something very wrong. We dabbled with death. Now, your life may not mean very much to you, but it means a lot to me. Now, I'm going to take you to the recovery room, and we're putting a monitor on you and see what damage has been done. Yeah, what is it? Honey, it's Dr. Wheatley. Come in. Wasn't it nice of him to stop in and see how you are? Oh, you're smoking again. Doctor, I've tried to get him to quit, but I think he's smoking all the more. You think that after one heart attack, Eunice, he would... haven't you got something boiling over on the stove? Stove? I'm not cooking anything. Then go cook something. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this a post-coronary symptom, or have you always treated her that way? What brings you here? Well, I want to know how you're feeling. Fine. I never felt better. No uh, uneven heart rhythms, uh, dizziness? I told you, I feel fine. I'm busy. I'm going to put this novel together and get it to the publisher before the public forgets my name. What are you doing? I'm going to listen to your heart. I haven't got time for that. You take time. What are you doing? Let go of my sweater. And pull it up or unbutton it. Now, come on, Jerry. I'm through fooling around with you. You talked me into laying my whole career on the line, so now you can jolly well play the patient until I say different. Now, you be quiet and let me listen. Hmm. Well? Well, sounds all right. Sure it does. I tell you, I'm as strong as an ox. Yeah, and about as smart. Now, listen, Bill. We've got to do it again. Do what again? The experiment, only longer this time. I read where it takes four minutes sometimes before the brain cells are damaged from lack of oxygen. Now, you listen to me, mister. You may be able to treat your wife like dirt and order people around because you're a rich and famous writer. But you can just go find yourself some other sucker if you want to commit suicide, because I have had it. See, I realize now that I just wasn't out long enough for any real death symptoms to occur. you got to really be clinically dead before, well, before any of the, uh, the experiences happen. So this time, we're going to go for four minutes. All right, that's it. You keep the books I loaned you. I hope to God you've got plenty of insurance for your poor wife. Bill. What is it? You're forgetting something. I wish I could forget. You, your insufferable ego, this whole monstrous thing. Close the door. I'll see you in the obituaries. Close the door. You're forgetting, good doctor, that you've already broken your Hippocratic Oath once. And I've got the whole thing on tape right here. Blackmail? You're absolutely right. Well, you wouldn't. Now, you may be rude. You may be selfish. But you wouldn't take a doctor's career and throw it down the drain. Hey, nobody forced you to be there at the hospital when I came in with a heart attack you knew was a phony. You could have stayed home and let the doctor on night duty find out I was bluffing. But you didn't. Admit it, Wheatley, you were kind of fascinated by the whole idea all along. The word is revolted. Well, let's give it one more try. Then, when I've heard the tape this time, I'll give it to you. And no more experiments. No, I won't. This time, it'll be a Friday night. Just Eunice and me at home. About 8.30, I'll start having some more symptoms. She'll run me over to the hospital. And this time, we'll see who I meet up with in the spirit world. I won't do it, Jerry. Yes, you will. Because if some duty nurse finds out Jerome K. Blackman phonied up his heart attack, 
the medical society will find out who helped me. See you Friday night, Doc. You want any more coffee, Jerome? No, I guess not. Would you like to watch TV? Uh, you go ahead. How do you feel? Eunice, you ask me that one more time. I'm sorry. Poor dear. I'm okay. Actually, uh, just a little tired. Why don't you go to bed? I might do that. You know, I could never understand why Dr. Wheatley didn't give you any pills to take. Pills? For your heart. Everyone I ever heard of who had a heart attack had to had to take pills for the longest time afterwards. Well, I had a, a very minor one. Oh, you were really blessed. Yeah, I was lucky. You were blessed. I prayed and prayed from the second you had your first symptoms. And so did all our friends. I know I never mentioned it because we never talk much about religion, but... Yeah, well, I... why are you talking about it now? Forget it. I'm sorry. Was there some place you were going to go tonight? Why? Well, you keep looking at your watch. It's just 8.30. I know. Uh, look, Eunice, I... I didn't want to worry you, but... Uh, but I feel kind of strange. You do? You go lie down right now, Jerome. Uh, I, I think you'd... Uh, better get Bill Wheatley on the phone. And then drive me into the hospital. We alone, Bill? Yes, we're alone. Okay, give me the jolt, then give me four full minutes, you understand? And suppose you still don't meet St. Peter. Then will we try for eight minutes next week? And no, no. Then half an hour? No, no, if this doesn't get some results, we'll forget it, and I'll write what I think it's like to be dead. Now, come on, come on. All right. Ready? Here goes. Uh, heart stopped. Blood pressure dropping. Dropping. I must be insane to be doing this. Hello, Jerome. Huh? Oh. Hello? My name's Charles. Where am I? On the other side. I finally made it? You finally made it. Do you know who I am? Oh, certainly. Jerome K. Blackman, the noted author. Then you know what I'm doing here. I do. Look, I, I haven't much time. Oh, I... you have lots of time. No, no, no. You see, in, in four minutes, uh, my heart will start again. But in that time, I, I want to experience what everyone goes through when I'm they... I'm sorry, uh... Jerome. That's not possible. Not possible? Why not? No two people receive the same experiences here. Any more than they did there. Every single soul is utterly unique. And when they reach here... They receive according to what they gave. Uh, yes, it uh, seems to me that I, I read that somewhere. Oh, yes. You'll find it in many places. The Old Testament, the New Testament, the Koran, the Apocrypha, Book of Mormon, the teaching of Buddha. You know, I, I think it's uh, taught me a lesson. Oh, is that so? About the, the way I've lived. Uh, there are a couple of people... Oh, yes? Who, well... 
my wife, I've been kind of, uh, well, let's just say I've learned something. We receive according to what we gave. You know, this could give me an entirely different approach to the story I'm writing. When I get back, I think I'll... Jerome! What? You're not going back. What do you mean? No one really does, you know. Ever. Come with me now. You don't understand. I made a deal with my doctor. Listen, he's... He's going to be in big trouble if I don't come back. Now, now you see, you, you, you don't seem to realize who I am. I, I'm Jerome K. Blackman. First-hand experience starred Ray Court with Dick Stokey, Pat French, John Amendola, and Rosemary Rohrabach. Crisis is written and produced by yours truly, Jim French, and is distributed exclusively by Nostalgia Broadcasting Corporation, Box 10914, St. Petersburg, Florida. 